Hey everybody, you're listening to So Many Sequels. I'm Josh. I'm Andrew. I want to thank the Academy for this podcast that we so work hard for. Uh, I want to thank uh, the... And cutting his mic. Yeah. <laughs> on, on this side, I was continuing to talk, but you can't see that as yeah. this is audio. And I could only think of the Jurassic Park song. Apparently. That's fine. It I'm Garrett. It went with it. Uh, Your host for the evening. Yeah. We're doing... A, this is our... Now we can say it's an annual. Our second annual Oscar reaction show. Yay. We kind of started the podcast with one of these. Kind of. Yeah. It's well, pretty yeah. close. Roundabouts. Last year was The Shape of Water. This year is totally different. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we just, we just uh, got back from Circle Cinema's Oscar extravaganza yeah. party um, here in Tulsa. Really, really, really fun event. If you get a chance to go uh, next year, you should you should because it it was it was it was cool. Yeah. And hey, you know you have an opportunity to vote for them as Tulsa's best movie theater. You do, along with us as your best podcast. Before we see how I did that, that's a professional right there. That's a great transition because yeah. it is important to note that this is we're in the final stretch. Only days are left. In the best of Tulsa uh, voting thingy, Madoodle. Final countdown. What he said. So get on, get on thetulsavoice.com slash bot and vote so many sequels for best podcast. That is number sixty on the ballot. Voting is open until February twenty eighth. We are down to the wire. Could not be closer. I don't know what else to say. We would love to be able to give our own awkward academy speech. Yeah. Where we get played off of our own podcast, probably. Yeah, I've practiced a very awkward speech telling. That was a class in college that I took. Most people just took speech. I took awkward speech. Oh, I didn't know that was an option. Yeah, okay. you got to know the right people. Well, like I said, we would really we it would really be cool to win that. I think it would mean a lot to all of us. It would mean a lot to me as the person speaking right now. It mean oh. a hell. I mean, it, it would mean a hell of a lot to us. It's cool. Like, don't you speak for me. Exactly. That's why I said for me. I don't know. He might not think it's cool. I think it's cool. TheTulsaVoice.com slash B-O-T. So many sequels. Best podcast. Now let's get on with it. Oh, and Circle Cinema. Best movie theater. Let's get on with the rest of the show. Hot damn. Uh, we just got back. These are hot takes. Fresh off the griddle. The griddle? The grill? Sure. The, the, uh, fresh out the box. Fresh out. Stop, look, and watch. <laughs> let's start with the elephant in the room. The fact that there wasn't a host for this year's show. There was a lot of weirdness going into the show about whether that would work or not. People are reminded of that, uh, I believe it's the 1989 Oscar ceremony, which was the last one to not have a host and is infamously known as the worst ceremony in Academy history. That was the one with the weird uh, Rob Lowe thing, right? Had the weird Rob Lowe opening musical number that didn't go over well to the point where several high-profile Academy members wrote a letter uh, chastising that very ceremony. So there was a lot of pressure on this one to do well without a host. How do we think it did? I think it did great. I agree. I think it did great because it it left it wide open. It left it. It was very unpredictable. I will say that this was a very unpredictable night without having a lot of like leeway and a lot of canter and a lot of you know just. Just you know, stuff that you stuff that you would normally see in an Oscar telecast. So it was very unpredictable, and I like unpredictability. From a television production standpoint, it it seemed to be a pretty clean show. 
uh there didn't there wasn't a lot of weird mess ups no it went quick it was very snappy they i i don't know that they ended on time per se but they ended a, a whole lot earlier than they usually do uh they kept it going very well there there was no nobody really missed an opening monologue i think we got a really shortened one from tina fey amy poehler and maya rudolph but other than that it was just presenter after presenter and it kept things going real nice i just want to add if they're going to choose anybody next year for host it needs to be those three it could be those three would be there great. were several great options throughout yeah. in those pres- like i also thought aquafina and john mulaney would be great hosts. yeah they were very they funny. Were good too uh when uh keegan michael key came mm-hmm. flying down with an umbrella i immediately jumped to key uh key and peel hosting because that would be great yeah. So there That'd are people, good. but I also am now currently in the camp of like, I don't care. I am too. I would say after after this, which I think, I mean, again, this is a hot take, fresh, but I think this will be considered a successful show. I don't see why you should add a host. Yeah. No. It's you not really one. necessary. You don't need one. No. They, they don't add anything. They usually no. are there for the opening monologue. The opening monologue is usually not very funny, depending on who the host okay, is. Yeah. Uh, they don't really do like Billy Crystal style skits anymore, <laughs> so that's not really a thing. And after I don't know an hour of the show, they aren't seen until they go. Thanks for coming to the Oscars. Okay, bye. So it's not yeah. it's not a very important thing. I don't think. No. Yeah, I mean you're exactly correct because it's hosts for award shows. While they're okay, they've been get they've been kind of lagging i feel in the last couple of years who was last year nobody You're... remembers it was kimmel wasn't it yeah yeah, yeah. i think it, it was kimmel for years. a stretch and he was okay yeah he's okay yeah, like, he that's a... the thing is these people are usually okay yeah and that and that's about it it not since like franco and Anne hathaway have people been like oh that was bad oh yeah because they were not good uh <laughs> So yeah, I think I think it was fine without the host. I think most people would probably say let's just not have a host anymore. Yeah. Uh before we get into the awards themselves, what were some other like favorite moments of the show? Uh easily for me uh the Lady Gaga Bradley Cooper performance Woo! of Shallow. That it was steamy, man. It got it got steamy awesome. chills. It got hot. I thought it was re- shot really well. It was, and I, it, it, from behind the piano where mm-hmm. we see the crowd and them yeah. walking up stage and then Bradley joining her on the piano, sharing a microphone. That's cool. Yeah, I don't know. I thought it was kind of boring. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Woo. Please don't get mad at me. I'm Too- kidding. You don't want the guy, the <laughs> little monster army all over. No, I don't. Too late. I uh, no, it was good. That was really uh, good. It's really for me uh, the only standout performance as far as the songs go. The Ballad of Buster Scruggs song was probably my second favorite one. Mm-hmm. This is um, really good. Yeah, it really was. Could not outside, and then Jennifer Hudson also was there. I didn't necessarily care for that song. Um, it didn't. It didn't really. Yeah. Uh, uh, it didn't and get, it didn't connect with me i guess no i didn't i didn't feel it and i and uh there's i think there's another one that i'm missing cuz i know the mary poppins the, oh yeah whatever that was fine oh my god <laughs> it was i mean it was good it just it was fine okay i liked the, the umbrellas. great bet midler i like the umbrellas i love bet midler mm-hmm. um just this again the, it was a song that i don't really know i haven't seen mary poppins so that i'm not saying there's 
the performance was bad just for me. It didn't really do anything for me. Mm-hmm. You need to see it. And then we didn't get to see a performance of all the stars because Kendrick Lamar and SZA uh, declined to perform uh, on the show due to, I guess, scheduling conflicts. I don't really know why exactly. Did they riot? No, <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, from what I understood, they they said they just couldn't make it work for whatever reason. So. Okay. So we did not get to hear all the stars from the Black Panther soundtrack. I would agree that uh, most of the performances were were nice standouts, with Shallow being a, a big one. One of my favorite moments, though, was um, Dana Carvey and Mike Myers doing their Wayne's World reunion. Yep. What a joy to see those two share a stage again. Uh-huh. If anyone was going to introduce Bohemian Rhapsody, I'm glad it was them. Yeah. It makes sense. I mean, the only other people that they could have done was the Survivor. If Queen Queen. did it, yeah. But, like, those make sense. They're fun. Mike Myers was in the movie. Bohemian Rhapsody is a key part of a famous scene in in Wayne's world. Uh, They mentioned it was a big part of that movie, the song, not the movie. I'm pretty sure that Mike Myers, I feel like I remember hearing Mike Myers, like, fought for that. And he was like, I'm not going to do the movie if this is not part of it. Probably. It has to be this song. I think I've heard that, too. Yeah, I think they. I'll have to read into that. Because I think they really, they wanted to cut it out in the original Wayne's world. And he, he said that he's, he said, this works. I don't care what y'all think. And it, with that movie, it actually resurrected the song. Mm-hmm. So that's, I mean, that's a song that really just doesn't know how to die. And I think that's a, I think that's great about yeah, it. has movie. these resurgences. Yeah. I just read, um, let me double check on this, but, uh, I was just reading about the song Bohemian Rhapsody being the most streamed song of the 21st century recently. Um, Yeah, Bohemian Rhapsody has been streamed 1.6 billion times across streaming services. That's crazy. The most streamed song of the 20th century overtaking Nirvana's Smells Smells Like Teen Spirit. So Mm. So yeah, it doesn't know how to die. It just keeps coming back and it's a great song. I'm trying to think before we go into the awards. I can't think of any other like key moments. It was generally a good show, but there wasn't a lot of like amazingness no. going on. Cool. Well, um, every year we make sure to fill out a ballot, our own little Oscar ballot, and we have a little friendly competition between the three of us to see who can guess the most categories correctly. Friendly. Yeah. Yeah. It's friendly, I think. <laughs> I don't know. Y'all have some weird animosity over it. I'm, I, I'm fine. All I'm saying is that whenever you don't say how many you got and you ask the other two people how many they got and then you tell me what you got and it's either normally one more or tied with the most yeah. and you already have a history of cheating on stuff that we do on I this podcast do not it, it raises some red flags for me why i never uh so <laughs> but we're gonna talk about some of some key awards here we're not gonna talk about all of them uh well i will say that i uh lost with 15 correct guesses out of 24 but Garrett and Andrew both tied with 16, so I don't know how that's going to work. I'll have to figure that out later. Carry the money over. So, uh, I mean, we did okay. We didn't do great. <laughs> <laughs> but we it was a weird night. Yeah. Let's uh, start off talking about every Oscar ceremony, it seems like, has some surprises. Yep. Um, everyone from uh, air quote experts to betting markets and everything try to predict the winners, and inevitably, 
they get something wrong. What was everyone's favorite surprise of the night? Some a surprise that happened and you went, "Wow, that's that's amazing." You want to go ahead? I don't have any, man. Okay. Like, listen, everything that I picked for the most part was accurate for the okay. or it was like I had no idea and just kind of went off what I read online and, and assumptions. Nothing really for me was like a a favorite surprise. I would say Olivia Coleman just because I like her, but I've not seen that movie, so I can't put myself in that camp. Um, everything else is kind of like, yeah. All right. Well, then what about you? I would have to go with. Green Book winning Best Picture. That was your favorite surprise. That was my favorite surprise. Interesting. Okay. And the reason why? the reason why is that as much as I love Roma, uh, as much as I love Roma, I- I'm thinking like, well, what could be the what could be the next one down the line? And the truth is, is that this year, I think this year has been the most unpredictable year when it comes to Oscars. I mean, we were pretty much shoot in for we were pretty much shoot in for Roma. We were pretty much shooting for you know Black Klansmen and Bohemian Rhapsody taking home at least one. Mm-hmm. I did not expect Green Book to win Best Picture. That came out of completely left field for me. Okay, why? Because it, it's won a lot. It's won like, a lot of one, one Golden Globe. Yeah, but like it's won a lot of awards. But I don't know it. It I like it. Going into all this, my gut feeling was Roma. Because Roma was a personal movie, and uh, it's just—I don't know—it's just it just kind of tapped him and kind of tapped into my brain a little bit. And the reason why I think is I just didn't expect it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Green Book also, you know, stumbled all the way through the voting period with uh, random controversies up popping up here and there. So that that was it too. It was like I, w- I was thinking either that the controversies would probably not help it out a lot. Probably not help out the cause any at all. I don't know, man. I think that I, was I think really- that if you look at the way Hollywood is as a political climate, mm-hmm. this movie, despite some of the things that have come up about it, is a movie about acceptance, and it really sends a message that Hollywood tries to send also of sure. inclusion, and it doesn't matter what your background is or what you look like. And I feel like even with some of the controversies that popped up, it doesn't surprise me that people would vote for that because it's a very feel-good movie mm-hmm. stripped away from everything. If you just look at it on it, let's say that it's not based on a true story and that, that this was just a movie. Um, it would be a feel-good movie with a good message. And politically, at the time, especially the way a lot of Hollywood people are leaning it, it fits into a message, so it doesn't surprise me that they they would vote for. Well, I mean, and again, this is this is my favorite surprise. Sure, sure, sure. But the other thing is, is that I really wanted Roma to win just because I wanted the I wanted it to be the first completely foreign language film to win Best Picture. That's never happened before in the entire ninety one ceremonies of the Oscars, mm-hmm. and I think I I think that would be a milestone. Mm-hmm. Since your favorite surprise is Best Picture, we're we're pretty much talking about that now. Um, I still I feel pretty strongly that that Roma didn't get the votes because it's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. 
I I don't think they want. I don't think they're ready to accept Netflix yet. What that's, do you, a sh- that's a shame. What do you? How do we feel about that in general? Because like I'm I get com- it. I'm calm. Uh, conflicted on it. Yeah, because I get it. But also that I don't feel like that should be a hindrance. Like it's a, it's a changing world, and so I feel like you have to adapt to it. But at the same time. The aesthetic of the theater is something that I enjoy. I, I enjoy going to movie theaters. But if a movie like this is being penalized because it's a streaming network, that doesn't seem fair to me. That's almost like if the Emmys would get mad at Netflix because it's not on cable. Mm-hmm. It would be like that. And that's not right. Personally, I don't think. Yeah. No, I get it. I think that there's just a very strong, um, very, very strong feelings about the, the cinema experience. And that doesn't exist for television. No. Television is watched at home, whether it's mm-hmm. on a streamer or a network. network. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter for the TV as much. And I, I, as much as I get the idea that it is a changing media environment, I probably will never choose to watch something at home over the movie theater if I can help it. Yeah. So I, I can understand that to some extent, especially after see, being lucky enough to see Roma in a in a theater. Yeah, I was going would, to. I would never choose to watch it on television. Yeah, because I watched it on TV, so I didn't have that experience. And I thought it was fine. I still got an appreciation for how well it was shot, how well it was put together, how it, like, it conveyed the fact that so much time and effort and thought was put into this. I'm sure it would have been enhanced if I had seen it on a theater, but I feel like I still understood it and I didn't need to see it in a theater to understand it. Yeah. I would have had a better appreciation for it and really could have got it, but, and again, I we do a podcast about movies, so I have a better understanding than some people, but... I don't know. It didn't... I don't know. Another thing to take into account, and I'm not being an expert on how this stuff works, I'm just kind of spitballing, is the idea that when you don't put a movie into theaters, uh, you you completely remove any and all box office revenue that a studio and its crew could make off of that. And I don't know how... I don't know how that breaks down. I don't know what Netflix pays for its movies, but I think it would be fair to say that... Let's to use an extreme example. If Disney decided to premiere Black Panther on Disney Plus, it would not have made a billion dollars worldwide. Yeah, it would have made no dollars. Yeah, and then you like, why would I ever put it on a streamer? Sure. Huh? I, I feel like I feel like movies like these, when you're when they're made exclusively 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 for. Um, for streaming sites, I feel like that it doesn't diminish the quality, but it's like almost, uh, I'm probably going to get chastised for this. Maybe kind of elitist to the studios because it's just like you're, you're ex, you're not like you're excommunicating people from seeing the movie that, that you want them to see. Mm-hmm. Cause now it's just like, okay, we want you, we got this great movie that's coming out, but you have to watch it on our streaming service. So please pay us. Okay, let me ask you this question. Let's okay. and, and let's be real here. Okay. How if Roma was not a Netflix movie? Mm-hmm. If Roma would have gone to the box office. Mm-hmm. How realistic 
do we think that Americans would have gone to see this movie? The general masses that go to movies, mm-hmm. would, have, would they have gone to see a black and white movie that takes place in a foreign country mm-hmm. that is 100% subtitled, they have to read, it's not dubbed over, mm-hmm. do we think it would have had a big audience? Because I argue, no. That is a movie that would have gone to small theaters, it would have got a short running, and who knows if it would have made its money back. Honestly. And I don't like saying that, but realistically, the, I mean, the I think general public would not have gone to see that movie. No, but the general public didn't go to see Green Book either. I don't know. It that movie got a lot of. Did it not? I meant it didn't did it not make do very financial? much. No. Okay. Like it, I think it made its money back, but it was far from being like this huge hit. Yeah, I think that the there's Same also goes for the no, favorite. There's also nobody that's famous tied to Roma, at least by American standards. You had Mahershala, you had Vigo, you had Emma Stone, you had Rachel Weisz. All of those people are connected to those movies. Those are names that you can put with it. That has never so, mattered before, though. No, but it does to Americans because if you if it's already got these three things, if you could say, yeah, it's got these three things, but here's a really famous person that's in this movie that might entice me to go see it, you don't have that for Roma. I don't know. I mean, I think there's historical precedent for foreign films doing well in the box office. In America, yeah. there's no way to know for certain, but the only- with the with the critical recognition it received, I think it is very plausible that it would make its money back. Yeah. We don't, I, because of the nature of how Netflix works, we don't know if yeah. it did any like they didn't get anything out of it yeah. sure. because what limited box office run it got, they didn't report. We do not know how much money it made. I will. I'm not trying to like counter anything. I, my my first my my first thought about this was that there was another movie that was that was also produced by a streaming service that was entered into the uh, to the realm this year and it got a surprise nomination for best director and that's Cold War mm-hmm. and that's a Polish film yes and I did not know that it was made by Amazon right well Amazon does takes a much different approach than Netflix does mm-hmm. and it has worked out for them better generally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's, but that's, they've got what two best pictures? They got Moonlight. They get, and Did Manchester win. I don't that think didn't it, win, it didn't win. But didn't it win. won other awards, but it didn't win best picture. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, it's just a matter of how they each company approaches how it's done, and mm-hmm. and Amazon is clearly more accepted by the industry. Well, they probably know the the industry a little bit better. They might. I mean, I they know. might. I mean, I don't know. Netflix has been around a lot longer than Amazon in terms of movie distribution. But anyway. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Well, that was a lot to say about your favorite surprise. Yeah. <laughs> well. Uh, my favorite surprise might also end up being another Two Birds, One Stone conversation. It wasn't a singular award, but it was the fact that Black Panther won multiple awards. Yes. Giving Marvel Studios its first ever Oscars, uh, winning three of its five nominations, well, I think. Well, te- technically, I think the third one is... Does Spider-Verse count? It's technically Marvel, That's, but it's Sony. It doesn't count. It's, that, Mar- it's not Marvel Studios. Okay. Uh, we Black Panther won... Um, Production design, costumes, score, yeah. 
and it was nominated for Best Picture and uh, one more. I can't remember it. Was it Best Sound? Maybe. Had a song. It did have a song. Oh, so maybe it was six nominations then. I don't remember. Anyway, it did really well. Yeah. That I, was really surprising to me. I thought for sure... No, I was, I didn't think for sure. I did not think for sure that Black Panther would win anything. I felt hopeful that it would. But knowing the Academy's history with comic book hero films and just the fact that Marvel had never won before, I didn't know what to expect. Well, also, this is... This is like the first time that they've been nominated outside of either sound or mm-hmm. visual effects. So it's something that you're actually seeing that they created physically. They should have won visual effects realistically. They should have won visual effects for... Well, what's fun about that is I saw a sentiment online of people who seem to think that uh, Avengers was a lock for visual effects. Mm-hmm. And that Black Panther wasn't a lock for any of its awards, so that there was an idea that Avengers might actually be the only one to win the Oscar this year. But oh, okay. That being the exact opposite, Black Panther cleaned up pretty well. Yes. So that was my that was my favorite surprise of the night. I I wish it had won Best Picture. I could not bring it uh, bring myself to uh, really settle on a pick when I filled out my ballot. So I decided to wild card pick Black Panther, and I don't regret it. But I wish it had won. That would have been cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, now then, uh, this is kind of related. Let's talk about the best animated film. Uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse kind of swung in out of nowhere to take that. I think most people thought it would be The Incredibles 2 or Isle of Dogs. And uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse came out in December and totally wowed people beyond, I think, most expectations. Yeah. You know, it looked good before it came out, but there's also this thought of, eh, Sony doesn't make great Spider-Man movies, and this is a cartoon, and but it ended up being awesome. No, it was super awesome. awesome. It was really good. Great cast, uh, unbelievable animation, really cool story, uh, awesome depth, characters with depth. This uh, this whole concept of a he a hero can really be anyone and look like anyone. It's awesome. Second favorite movie of 2018 for me. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, that's the movie that won Best Picture tonight. Yeah. It's better than Green Book. <laughs> I we were talking about it after the um, the show, and and it's a little frustrating that you don't see more animated movies in consideration for Best Picture. And I think yeah. that I think that if what was the first one, I believe Beauty and the uh, Beast, Beast was the first, was the first one. one. Yep. I feel like Toy Story may have been nominated. Was yeah. it Toy Story Three was nominated in 2010? Okay, but it was. It, how it goes is Beauty and the Beast, and then it was Up nominated. Up was the first was the first one to be nominated in that category. After, yeah, literally Beauty and the Beast, Up, and Toy Story three are the only three films nominated for Best Picture that are animated. Yeah, I feel like this one should could have been in consideration. Listen, you had the option for ten. Coulda, shoulda, woulda. I mean, there, for for yeah. I think that we should deeper dive into Best Picture whenever we get there. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, so we'll. I don't want to say too much, but so I'll, I'll just focus on yeah. on this. Uh, Spider-Verse, first movie that isn't a Disney or a Pixar animated feature winner to win this category since 2012. 2012's Rango won, and then ever since then, it has been either a Disney movie or a Pixar movie. You know, I love Disney Pixar. Their movies are great, but I do love to see some competition. Yeah. 
And it's nothing. I, I, you know, I'm not hating on Disney Pixar movies. I love them a lot. But yeah, other, other, in in the words of that didn't go over so well for the Grammys. If you want to win an award, maybe you need to step up. Disney and Pixar put out great stuff every single year, and as much as like I like the other stuff, the movies that stand out when I think of animated stuff are Disney Pixar movies. Until this movie, this one's one of my. I don't want to go there. I feel like that's a wrong. I feel like that's a bad take. I don't want to go there. <laughs> I, I don't I, think the others need to step up. I think the Academy needs to be more welcoming. Well, I'm not saying that they like, don't put out good quality. What I'm saying is, for me, I can't name other movies. They just don't really stick with me as well. They don't seem to have the ability to tell the story like a Disney Pixar movie. And I'm not saying they're bad stories. I'm just saying most of the time. The ones that I remember at the end of the year are the Disney Pixar ones because of because of the stories that they tell. Yeah. Because most animated movies you see anymore are... For kids. Yeah, but they're for kids and they're kind of throwaway. You know, there's nothing really that has a, a dynamic story. And all I'm saying is 2016 uh, should have gone to Kubo and the Two Strings. And I stand by that very strongly. Kubo and the Two Strings, I didn't see that up until last year, and that yeah. was actually really good. And that's my problem. People won't watch the ones that aren't Disney Pixar, even if they're better. Mm-hmm. Noise me. Agreed. Okay. Animated film off the list. Let's talk about screenplay. All we right. love the screenplay category. We love it. I know Andrew loves it in particular. Uh-huh. You want which one you let's do let's do original first. Okay. I think that was a weird I think it's a weird choice. Let's see what was nominated. I don't know. Favorite. Uh I can't read that one. The, the final the first performed. First performed. Green Book, says. Roma, and Vice. Uh so Green Book won. Green Book eventually won. And I was really surprised that this was written by a Fairly brother. Which I don't know why that really the whole the idea that this is fairly related really throws you. That's and that's, I don't know why. That's my thing. I don't know. It's a comedy. I and know they do comedy. Yeah, but so you, why is it so weird for you? Because they do they do stupid comedy. You know they do like so does Adam Sandler. Yeah, and but then he end. can drop a stand up special that's amazing. Sure, but the other thing is this is that the other there's another person on this list who is uh, uh, Adam McKay who wrote Vice. And he's responsible for the multitude of it, for the for the almost entirety of his career, done really dumb comedy. But, but, he's, al- but, but he's also if when he when he does serious stuff, when he does biopics, when he does a like a serious story like The Big Short, yeah, and Vice, he's really good at it. Also, let's give Adam McKay a little more credit than stupid comedies. He the comedies he did in the two thousands like redefined the comedy genre for. Okay, film. all right. I think he did a little more than stupid comedies. Okay, uh, but okay, but like the thing is, is that my my thing about that is that like when it comes to people who do comedy, when they do drama like this or drama, I mean, what what would you consider Green Book? Is it a comedy? It's like a comedy drama. It's yeah. I mean, it leans on the drama side, but it's absolutely got jokes. Okay, well, like the fact that it. The fact that it like was written by the was written and directed by these so-called comedy writers, uh, or writers who make comedy movies, and then all of a sudden you get something really serious thrown in here, and it happens to be really good. I think is a very refreshing take on it, because it proves that they can they can do that stuff. 
if they're able to do it. And but I don't, the Fer- the Fairly Brothers in particular, it surprises me because one, I haven't seen a Fairly Brothers movie in a long time that was good. You also got to remember that I think I think a hefty portion of the script was written by Nick Vallelonga. Sure. I don't know how much Fairly was involved in the writing process. I'm just putting that out there because okay. you hadn't you didn't mention him. Okay. I mean, but I'm I'm just saying. Uh, but P- Peter Fairley was on that ballot, and Peter mm-hmm. Fairley was there, mm-hmm. and since he won, that just that, that I I was blown away by the fact that he did this movie. Like when he when his name came up in the credits, that was the first time I I knew that he was involved in it somehow. Did not know that he was involved in this movie in any way, shape, or form whenever it was released. Do you have that same reaction the first time you saw Adam McKay on a movie like this? I did. Okay, fair. I don't know. I I think it is a, a strange reaction that you have to comedy writers doing doing a higher form of art. But I think like, it's great. Yeah, I, I think, just it's I'm just so flummoxed by you being surprised. Sure, I mean it's it it's like wow, you know, you didn't really you didn't really think of that. Uh, I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I, uh, it's like there's some things like, out there about Peter Farrelly that I I don't want to talk about. It's so it's, I don't it's know like when you see a comedy actor. Much. Yeah. But it's like when you see a comedy actor, a person who's known for their comedy, mm-hmm. do a completely serious role, mm-hmm. and you're blown away by it. It's mm-hmm. the same concept. But uh, but I don't understand why, because it's it's comedy is hard. Comedy and is so hard. Going to drama, like some of the best performances are usually given by comedy actors. Look at Robin yeah. Williams. That's what Ooh, I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Robin Williams is 100% known for his comedy, but one hour photo. Um, That's a weird choice. Well, yeah, but it's it's so different than anything that he's ever done. I know. I just think most people would have said Goodwill Hunting. Sure, right off the bat. But one hour photo is one hundred percent opposite. The two, the two things when I think of like something different that or, is uh, opposite. Rob, Fisher or, King. Well, no, not even that. His his uh, portrayal in an episode of Law and Order. Like they're weird things that you wouldn't expect to see Rob Williams do. And he knocks it out of the park. They're completely opposite of, of what he's known for. And he does such a great job. So, like, a lot of comedy people are really good drama people, but they have the talent to be funny. So, um, back to the screenplay in particular. I don't think it deserved to win Best Screenplay. I think it's, uh, like, so the movie, yeah, you, you feel good watching it, yada, yada. But it's kind of, uh, it's a little hacky. It's a little cheesy. There are moments <laughs> there are moments in the movie when you think when you think that it's not it's not formulaic but you're just like okay we, we kind of get it you know it's it's following some it's following some sort of a what do you call it formula a formula yes it's, <laughs> it's formulaic. formulaic I mean it 100% is but that's not a bad I enjoy this movie I think it's a good movie I remember walking out thinking man that was really good sometimes formulas work but yes it is a formulaic Oscar Beatty type movie I was gonna say algorithmic that's, that's a weird a word to pick <laughs> but 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 yeah I think that uh, I think it's a, I think there's a story there um, I wish because for me being not like it winning best picture and it winning screenplay for some reason in my brain is is different for me if you write like the writing of this story is about a true story the movie is also about a true story but for me i can strip it away and look at it as a movie 
But the screenplay, that's where the inspiration is. And, and like you're writing it, Valalonga's writing it, and I wish they would have incorporated more of the stuff. That's, for me, the screenplay is where a lot of the controversies really take heart for me, more yeah. than just it being best picture. I mean, Don Shirley's family disputes that the stuff in that movie even happened. And that's a screenplay problem. Uh, talking about the movie as a whole, I don't even think that movie would work without Vigo and Mahershala. Mm-hmm. I think they anchor the movie, and with anyone else, it would not be nearly as as uh, charming in moments as it is because of the, the chemistry that they have together and how good uh, of an actor each of them is. I don't think the script stands alone. Okay. I think The Favorite is a better script. I think Roma is a better script. I did not see First Reformed. I actually don't know that I think Vice is a better script. Well, <laughs> I'm out on that one. Yeah, I like I like the movie, but I it's kind of Vice is kind of confusing. I mean, but but it, I think it's a, I think it's choppy and a little messy. So normally, whenever I go into movies, whenever I go into movies, the first thing I the first question I ask whenever if there's something that's really something that's really different here, I'm like, well, how the hell did they write that? Vice was one of those movies because, like, I don't, I don't know how you would write something like that. But they did like, it with the Big Short. It's the thing; it's not very different. Again, but like, I don't, I don't know how they would write that. I don't the know how way they did it five years ago. I don't know how they would put that together. Okay, I just like to read it. Just, to, I would just like to read it just to see what is how on it, paper. How it looked, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, best adapted screenplay. Uh, this one I'm way more into. Uh, Black Klansman won that one, and it absolutely deserved it. For Spike Lee, it's yep. about damn time. It is about damn time. His first Oscar, I believe they said his fifth nomination? I think uh, so. I think that's right, yeah. Yeah. Crazy that it took till now to, to finally give Spike Lee an Oscar. Mm-hmm. And Black Klansman was one of my favorite movies of last year. It's, yep. it's, uh, it is both funny and extremely upsetting and powerful and uh, every feeling in, the, in between. Yeah. And I think that that's part of that movie's, especially at the ending, the... the the movie itself is entertaining and just fascinating as a concept. Yep. But the way they end it is meant to upset you on a purposeful, purposeful level. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that incorporating that into this movie is a really smart way to get a reaction. Yeah. Good or bad. Yeah. You get a it's, reaction. It's, it's a visceral reaction that relates directly to the plot of the movie that you just watched for however long. Because, yeah, that is tagged onto the end of the film. It, it, it's like it's like Spike was daring you to, to think this isn't real and it couldn't happen today. Mm-hmm. It was like he was saying, this is not just a movie, and here's the receipt. Yep. It was It was impressive. I, I think this is a stronger category overall. I mean, these are these are more interesting movies. I feel yeah. like I've seen most of them. Um, mm-hmm. I'm glad that if Bill Street could talk got nominated for this because that's a movie that I feel like really got left out. Should have been in best picture. Absolutely, should have been in best picture. Yep. So at least it was nominated for this. Uh, yeah. And and Regina King won for for mm-hmm. supporting actress, so that was good too. But Bravo. this one deserved more. Yeah, I mean, you got you got the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, which is a Coen Brothers film. Um, their writing is usually spot on. Mm-hmm. This one, I know, I can understand why it didn't win. It's kind of an awkward collection of short films, more than one film. 
and some work better than others. Uh, if Beale Street could talk is, I got nothing to say about that. It's great. And A Star is Born is also great for first-time writer Bradley Cooper, I mm-hmm. believe, first time. I You'd have to talk about Can You Ever Forgive Me because neither of us saw it. Well, Can You Ever Forgive Me? It's what it's what won the Writers Guild Award mm-hmm, uh, for Best Adapted Screenplay. Um, it, it was... It wasn't like dynamic in terms of in terms of writing, but uh, it was a great character study of uh, what was a true story. I I I agree that it should have been it should have been on here, but I totally agree with the win for Black Klansman. Yep, it's I mean not to downplay if uh, can you ever forgive me, but the writing as strong as it was just wasn't good enough as the others. Yeah, and if you didn't watch it, see if you can find Spike Lee's speech on YouTube or something I'm from sh- from the announcement on. Like the whole reaction was just great. He 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 jumped up in the air and was like cradled by Samuel L. Jackson. It was so good. Mm-hmm. How old is Spike Lee? He's got to be in his sixties. I don't know, but <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, it was awesome. I I love I love the movie. Love Spike. Glad he won. Let's move on to best documentary. I think some people were surprised by this. This move, this award went to Free Solo. A lot of people thought it would go to RBG, the film about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, but instead we got to see uh, Alex Honnold do stupid stuff for two hours. This movie um, reminded me, it's so good. If you haven't seen it, you should. Uh, went to see it in IMAX, oh. and it's one of those movies that you should definitely see in IMAX, but you, it, this is one... Or at where, least find like, your friend with the biggest TV. Yeah, you can d- equate it to um, Roma. This is a one where you should see it on experience. a big, giant screen. Yeah. So in that regard, I get it. Um, if you've seen 127 Hours, it's not the same thing. Why y'all gotta bring up that mess? <laughs> because oh, he brought it, it up. It scares me, but you do it too. Because the intensity <laughs> that this movie gave me at the end of this movie yeah. was is similar to that infamous scene of that guy cutting his arm off or James Franco cutting his arm off in 127 hours. It's, it's not violent or anything. It's just, it's literally him climbing up a massive rock Mm -hmm. with no safety nets. Now you probably know what's going to happen, but you're not sure anything could happen because Mm -hmm. who knows? Yeah. But it, the, just watching him climb and, and the methodical surgery that he took to climb this rock without any safety measures kept me enthralled for the last half hour. Of that Yeah, I, I hate to say it, but I'm not usually a documentary guy. It has to be something I'm really interested in to, to hook me. Yeah. And this one hooked me. I never got bored. It went by in a flash. Alex is an interesting character to follow as a person. The filmmakers were are great and did a really good job. Uh, I like um, one of them said in their speech, and I've heard them say this before, that the film is kind of about uh, achieving the impossible or going after the impossible. And that's what Alex wanted to do with climbing this mountain. It was something that no one had ever done before. No one had climbed this mountain free solo without any kind of ropes or anything. And he wanted to be the first to do it. And that's what it's about, just chasing those impossible dreams. So it was really cool. To watch that, and it was scary and terrifying, and you you want to tell him to please stop, <laughs> but <laughs> but then he explains why he can't and why he doesn't, and you get it when he tells you. It's 
Really cool to... Oh, Siri was just uh, recording everything I said, I guess. On oh, watch. they're listening. <laughs> I don't like that. I hope it didn't like... Sent it to Apple and now the feds are on the way. Right. They're like, this, why is this guy talking to Siri about free solo? <laughs> <laughs> um, let's take that off. It was... Uh, and see, now I lost my train of thought. Uh, it was just really cool. Oh, he uh, he's really inspiring. He's a really inspiring guy. He's mm-hmm. a weird guy. Mm-hmm. Eccentric guy. Mm-hmm. But you can't help but like him, despite his like uh, social weirdness that he kind of has. I just thought it was great all the way around. Yeah, I mean, uh, the the documentary features. I will say, in the last year, docu- the documentaries have just gotten so good. I mean, we had we had two very obvious snubs that were very yeah. big hits last year. We we I mean two. What? Yeah, what's the other one that's not Won't You Be My Neighbor? Uh Three Identical Strangers. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. And they they were two that I was they were two that I, that everybody was saying, "Oh man, they're going to be in there." And they weren't. Yeah. And then but we had we had Free Solo and we had RBG. Mm-hmm. I chose RBG just because because I think it would be that it would be that uh that runner up you thought it was a moment for Ruth Bader Ginsburg, maybe? Yeah, yeah. Who's had a a year where she's been in the public spotlight, I think, a little more than usual. Mm-hmm. Right. But Free Solo, yeah, I totally agree with you. You need to see it on the biggest screen possible. And that, for a dude who has a fear of heights, uh, that put me right in that element again. <laughs> but uh, I, I've been a fan of Jimmy Chin's uh, mountain climbing photography mm-hmm. and the fact that he made this movie makes mm-hmm. it even better yeah and it's cool and they even you know they're they're uh the filmmakers are characters in the film too a little yeah. bit yeah. talking about the uh the, the morality of should they even be doing this mm-hmm. what if what if them being there puts him in more danger what if they do something to mess him up is it is it wrong to even like by being there it's like kind of subtly encouraging him to do mm-hmm. this crazy thing there's a lot of depth to it. This is, a hot, this is a hot take that I got right now. Oh, no. Hot take alert. I think I think that this is better. I think Free Solo is better than Won't You Be My Neighbor. I think that... I think that is a hot take, and I don't disagree off the top. I think that it is an original subject matter. Mm-hmm. I think it is an original style of a documentary. Mm-hmm. I think that as much as I absolutely love... Absolutely love Won't You Be My Neighbor. I think that the format that they present it is a generic documentary. And I think that it is just beautiful subject matter. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what gets by because everybody loves Mr. Rogers. I love Mr. Rogers. In my ranking of my letterbox from last year, this um, Won't You Be My Neighbor is still higher than Free Solo. And I wouldn't change that. But if I'm looking at it at, for this, I think that Free Solo is a better documentary from top to bottom, then won't you be my neighbor? I I I don't have a I don't have a reason to argue with that. I'm I'm in agreement with you because it's you know that doesn't take anything away from from it. Mm-mm. No, it doesn't. It's still, it's just yeah. No, and I I argue that the only reason that um won't you be my neighbor is not on there is a people everybody thought it was going to be on there so they didn't put it at the top of their list, which is stupid. Possible. Vote for what you want, but um. It it should be on this list. It's just it it's not. But I still think that um, Free Solo is a better overall documentary. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, let's wrap back around to Green Book for a second and talk about Mahershala Ali's Best Supporting Actor win. Yeah. So deserved. He's great. Um, 
I yeah, just, he's really good. I just wanted to bring this up. Uh, we don't have to like super deep dive into it, but um, he is the uh, the first black man to win two Best Supporting Actor Oscars. He's also, along with Denzel Washington, uh, they're the only two black people to win multiple acting Oscars. And that is frustrating mm-hmm. statistics. And hopefully it's a, a change that we'll see happening as more uh, people of color seem to be winning more of these awards. Oscars, uh, the Academy seems to be uh, really making an effort to recognize everyone as they should have been doing for I many so. years. Yeah. So hopefully these numbers will go up. But I just wanted to point it out because he deserves it. And it deserves to be uh, put in the forefront of people's minds. He did He did a good job in that movie. Uh, the, the category is pretty stacked. You got Adam Driver, Sam Elliott, Richard Grant, and Sam Rockwell. Uh, you know, I think Sam Rockwell may be the only one in there that, in there that I think... Uh, like, did he really? Did he really deserve that? No, he did pretty good. But and like, I love Sam Rockwell. The other ones all did pretty great. Um, so it, it's it mercifully earned it. Like it, it, he did great. Yeah. Um. Before we start this, let me just thank you if you've listened this far, because we've been going a little bit, and we're about to talk about best actor. Woo. <sighs> okay. I'm gonna go get a, a glass of water. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, best actor, uh, uh, not surprising anybody, went to Rami Malek for his portrayal of Freddie Mercury in Bohemian Rhapsody. Who's that? Which one? <laughs> I don't know where to start other than to just very shortly say. I disagree with the win. <laughs> I saw a tweet this afternoon that said uh, Leo DiCaprio turned out performance after performance after performance was nominated six times before he won, and Rami Malik just jumped in and won it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I last time we had our discussion on I don't remember how what what episode we were discussing. Or I think it was the Golden Globes one. I hadn't seen Bohemian Rhapsody, so you guys have talked about it a lot, so I can finally give a take on it as I've seen it. I thought the movie was fine. I think the, I think the movie's fine. I think the movie's entertaining. I can see how people who like Queen would like that movie. Um, I think that when Rami Malek was acting, I think he did a good job. Um, I don't have a problem with his performance. Uh, I just I just don't. It didn't didn't do anything for me. In the words of Andrew, didn't do anything for me. Um, I think that a lot of people have harped on the fact that he lip synced and didn't actually sing. And and again, I don't have a problem with that. The, uh, somebody brought up the fact that Jamie Foxx, whenever he won for Ray, also lip synced. My my argument is, if you're going to portray a musician and you're lip syncing to the musician, I don't have a problem with that because you. You can't sing like that person. Um, the problem that I think that Rami, for me, ran into is that he lip-synced to a guy doing an impersonation of Freddie Mercury. So he's not even lip-syncing to Freddie Mercury. Mm-hmm. They had somebody else come in for some unknown reason to me to sing these songs for Rami Malik to lip-sync to. 
And it's weird. There's, I don't understand why. There's a lot of weirdness to the way they did the singing in this movie, I think. Because there there were, from what I understand, because it is, it's, it's really complicated and I don't understand why, uh, there were parts when it was Freddy. They, they used some uh, Queen Master tapes as well as this uh, Freddy impersonator. And then sometimes a mixture of Rami's voice. Yeah. So it's this weird, uh, like, queen impersonation stew that they dumped into this movie. And it just, I just don't understand why. Well, and it, it was one of those where, like, I also... It, it seemed just blatantly obvious that he was lip syncing. And it sucked me out every time that he was singing. It bothered me. Because it, it was clearly... I, and again... For some reason, this didn't happen with Ray. I don't have that same kind of like. It's obviously not him singing. I don't know. It was weird, and I, I think just, that might be a case for uh, why this film wasn't edited very well, and yet also took home best editing. Yeah, I just think I look at this category, um, and and I generally have a problem with the Academy voting for people who are portraying other people. That's a trend that I feel like they do a lot is is not a lot of original characters get stuff. And it's more like, oh, this person did a really good job impersonating this person who I'm familiar with. Let's give them that award. And I don't necessarily think that's fair. I think that Christian Bale did a good job. Um, but it, that's another one where it's like it's a really good impersonation and he did a really great yeah, job. I mean, I, I just I don't. I, you're right that they do that. I think it's this is a weird circumstance, though, where. Where in that category, Bradley Cooper was the only one who did play a fictional character. Yeah. So you couldn't take you could use that argument for any of them. Yeah. Which makes me think like, is that really why they picked Rami? I'm right. no, I don't know. No, I don't know. And um, you know, for me, it it, it really came comes down like of these performances, I have not seen Willem Dafoe's movie, so I can't really loop him in. Um, but of them, I would come down to for me. Rami Malek and Bradley Cooper would be the top two for me. You mean Christian Bale? Nope. You think Rami Malek did better than Christian Bale? I think that Rami Malek and Christian Bale were kind of on the same level as far as their performance and portrayals of existing people. Uh, I think that I have reactions. I I, I think that Christian Bale did a great job, but I think that the subject matter of Queen connects with me more, so that might be why. So you're voting with your feelings. For in this case, for the top two. For the top two. For the top two. When I get to those top two, when I look at everything that Bradley Cooper did yeah, spit on you, in performance, yeah. uh, he learned how to play guitar. He learned... He was not a singer, I don't think. Maybe he was, but he he's not a singer. Uh, he wrote this movie. He, direct, he directed this movie. Like All of the stuff that he did, in addition to learning how to do these extra things and delivering such an emotional performance, for me... Should have given him the nod. So cool. Here's what I'm gonna say about about this category. These people, these five actors, all of them. Uh, the one thing you have to understand whenever it comes to acting is that you have to be able to transform yourself into a role and literally become that person. I look at. Rami Malek in Bohemian Rhapsody 
And of all these people, then again, I've not seen Willem Dafoe at Eternity's Gate, but pretty much every one of them here, they've not really done any sort of transformation. And I think that's my problem with Rami Malek. He doesn't transform himself into... He doesn't really transform himself into Freddie Mercury. Sure, he looks like him. Sure, he could probably move like him. But Viggo Mortensen, uh, Viggo Mortensen, dude packed on like what, 30, 40 pounds? I mean, he was a big guy. Uh, and, and it was a, it was a little bit of a breakout role because he's not really known for comedy. So that's number one. Uh, number two, Bradley Cooper. <clears throat> Bradley Cooper, uh, I didn't even know that was Bradley Cooper. I'm like, man, I'm looking at that, and that's not him. So, and also, uh, we talked about this in the car on the way here. He taught himself guitar, and he learned how to sing. And I think that's impressive, especially that the album, I get, I guess, has gone platinum now. But the other thing is, is that that the songs that he sang were actually really good. Yeah, yeah. If if he if he turned country star or any type of music star, I think he could probably do it. <laughs> and then, of course, Christian Bale literally becoming Dick Cheney, and he became Dick Cheney. That was impressive. I'm going to push back just a little because what more could Rami have done to become Freddie Mercury in your eyes? You said that he looked like him. You said that he moved like him. What more could he have done? Singing because, like him? Right, okay, but that's fair, but he's there's, not a singer. So a- I, I, I reject that argument to an extent because, again, I will agree mm-hmm. that to act, you don't have to sing if you can't sing. Mm-hmm. But if you're, you're just talking about performances and becoming a character, mm-hmm. what more could he have done to become that character? I would agree that it would have been nice if he would have sung. But let's move that over here. Okay. In an acting portrayal, I thought he did a good job when he was acting as Freddy. Okay. What more for your argument could he have done to become him if he was already looking like him and had the mannerisms down and sounded like him? What else is he missing? That's my argument to you. And I'm just pushing back. So I don't believe him. Okay. There's a difference between a good actor and a great one. Sure. And a great one, you believe and... You can't explain it. And I don't believe him. Yeah, I would say that, again, watching Bohemian Rhapsody for the first time, I thought everything was fine. I thought he did a good job. I don't think he was worthy of winning this award. I think that it was mm-hmm. just a fine job. I think it was fine. I think, like, Christian Bale. Christian Bale so did make me hate him. That, um,. Embodying another person is almost second nature to him. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bradley Cooper, it He's almost seems so like much. becoming Jackson Maine almost like changed him as a human. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole nother level. And uh, you already mentioned how Vigo changed. And I just don't feel like Rami, I don't feel like this affected him. I don't feel like he was in it. I didn't believe him. I felt like it was somebody doing an impression of Freddie Mercury. A lot of people argued that Gary Oldman did the same thing last year. But he became that. He became that. He became that person. He transformed into him. A lot of people said that it was a very good impression. Mm. At least he didn't lip sync. Winston Churchill don't sing. Exactly. <laughs> I, but like you look. But yeah, I, bl- I the, believe. I reject Gary the Oldman. argument of that. That's bullcrap. That being a nah, that's bullcrap. 
what kind of Tumblr did you find that on? Uh, it was on the uh, Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast. Yeah, I disagree with them a lot, so no problems there. I don't know. It's just, it, it's an interesting take on it, and, I, and I'm trying to play both pro- sides yeah, of the you, field. Yeah, and you're not doing it right. I- <laughs> uh, no, I don't want to know. I don't want to relive next last year's Oscars. I will just say that um, Rami Malek just looked like Rami Malek wearing a big retainer. There you go. And, just, and I, Christian I, Bale looked like Dick frickin' Cheney. <laughs> and Bradley Cooper looked like a washed-up old country star. And Rami Malek looked like Rami Malek wearing a retainer. I agree. It's interesting. And someone will nitpick that and say, why, you're not just thinking about the looks. And that's not, I'm not, it's deeper than that. Yeah. I don't believe him. I don't uh, believe him. I don't think that, uh, I, I think agree. of all of these, I think for me. It doesn't help that that movie doesn't have a director either. Of the ones that I, well, yeah. <laughs> of the ones that I've seen, I feel like, I feel like. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to backtrack a little bit and, and say that I don't necessarily think that the top two, I don't think Rami Malek should be in the top two because my thinking is that Vigo didn't, I, I don't think that Vigo should be in this category. I think he and Mahershala should be switched, first of all. And I think that he didn't give that yeah, great true. of a performance. Like, he did a good job. It just was whatever. No, and it's I like, feel like the Sam Rockwell thing. It's yeah. like, well, you're fine. Why are you here? Yeah, and I feel like Rami was like a step above that. It was like he was just fine. Like I didn't get much out of it. Yeah, I mean, uh, John David Washington should take Rami's place. Yes, the fact that he's not in there is wild to me. Yep, yep. agreed. Well, that was less painful than I thought it would be. Tell that still, to all the people. Well, who I know, I know. We're still we in. We're still in this weird minority of people who. Uh, don't like Bohemian Rhapsody, or or rather, it's not a no, it's not a don't like thing. It's a this is not this is not a best movie. It's no, not it's the not. best. It's of the not. Year. It's not best it, picture. Material. We all watched it. and We all thought it was perfectly fine. Yeah. In comparison to the Oscars, it's borderline trash. And I should point out that this movie in particular won the most Oscars this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Four Oscars it took home. Yeah. Now. Most of them were technical, but I digress. But I mean, it's four Oscars is still four Oscars. It certainly is. And now we will move on to the what is pr- arguably the biggest surprise of the night. Yes, best actress um, going into the into the uh, beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. It was Lady Gaga. Easily Lady Gaga. We, yeah, we were talking about Lady Gaga. Then Glenn Close won the Golden Globe. And she was picking it up all over. Then Glenn Close won in every other category. Yes. Every other show. And then Glenn Close is the favorite. And Glenn Close has never won an Oscar. She holds the record for most nominations without a win. This is her year. And they call Olivia Coleman's name. Shocker. Shocking most people. Olivia Coleman was favorited as a spoiler. But you never expect the spoiler. Um, Andrew's the only one that's seen both of these movies. The wife, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so compare them. Okay. Uh, why is Olivia, did Olivia do better than Glenn? And if so, why? And uh, if not, why not? Okay. So, for those of you that don't know, the wife, 
Um, Which is most people. Yeah, I mean, like <laughs> that movie. What is that? The, this the movie came out in September, and it was pretty much unnoticed until award season. And all of a sudden, Glenn Close starts picking it up, and she's the only thing that's nominated. She's the only award that's nominated for the entire movie for that, throughout its entirety. I saw this movie last week, and Glenn Close was good in it, but on the whole, it was an it, it was an okay movie. It was definitely better than uh, Bohemian, Bohemian Rhapsody, and I think her performance by itself carries. But Olivia Coleman, Olivia Coleman, I don't know, just had that star power from the very beginning. Whenever you see her, and uh, I think I think it was a pleasant surprise to see. It was a pleasant surprise to see Olivia Coleman win it. I wish Glenn Close would have won it. Um, but to move the... Let me gather my thoughts for just a second. <laughs> because it's 1230 and I'm getting tired. <laughs> hit him like a fucking tidal wave. Damn. Olivia Coleman no. did a really fantastic job in The Favorite. Um, if, if you didn't see that movie, it is, uh, Olivia, Rachel Weisz, and, um, Emma Stone as kind of this, like, it's, it's almost, it's another one of those situations where you're like, why is Olivia the, 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 the actress and the other two are supporting? But I get, but it does have a better argument than Green Book. She plays the queen of France. Uh, she's really, really strange. <laughs> uh, really, um... She like has this range of emotions that go from calm to extreme anger all over the place. So her acting is very good. Uh she's funny and infuriating and weird. Mm-hmm. She did a great job and I can't speak for Glenn cuz I did not see the wife, but I do enjoy the work of Glenn Close. She was she was fiery. Let's just put it like that. Yeah. I think she had, there was a lot of fierceness in that role that she took on in the wife. And uh, the wife, I feel, even though it's even though it's titled the wife, even though it's titled the wife, kind of really isn't about the wife. It's more like the couple, mm-hmm. because that's what it's about. It's about a couple that have that have uh, been disagreeing with each other for a long time, and her husband just recently won the Nobel Prize for literature for a book that she has basically been writing. Mm-hmm. So she has to openly defend it. She has to openly defend her own husband, who's a loose cannon. Um, what I liked about what I liked more about uh, the favorite, because I th- I would have to pick the favorite over over the wife. What I liked more about the favorite is its star power. Again, I mean, you you have a terrific cast. The ter- the cast in the favorite is absolutely good. Um. The favorite, in general, I I'm a sucker for for history and period pieces, and uh, the acting in this, the acting in it all around was incredibly good. Mm-hmm. And Olivia Coleman is 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 definitely no exception. I mean, she is she is flat out good in this movie. That's about all I can add to it. I really <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah, she was she was a surprise win, but a, mm-hmm. a welcome surprise, I think, for a lot of people. As you know, I would really love to see Glenn Close win an Oscar, and I'm sure. I, sh- I fingers crossed her day comes. Um, but man, 
what an upset. I will say I'm this. I'm glad it was someone like Olivia Coleman. She took rejection very, very well. Of course she did. She's Glenn Close. She's she, going to be classy. I mean, she, I mean. And you know, now that we're, now that we've talked about the whole Rami Malek thing, I can kind of, uh, I can, I can now see why Lady Gaga didn't, didn't do as well with voters as we might have hoped or thought she would in the first place. She's not an actress by trade. Um, but there's a little bit of acting to to musical performance, I think. Mm-hmm. So she's no stranger to it. And she played uh, a character she's familiar with as a person. You know, she played a pop star. I don't know that there was a lot of becoming that role for for Gaga like, like it was for others in the category. Olivia Coleman is a queen, though. That's true. Well, all those she women are all those women are queens. Yeah, um, and that's that. And the favorite, you know, I was glad that they won something because it's a great movie. It went into the show with ten nominations, and it came out with one. It got it got real dicey there that they were going to be totally shut out. Yeah, they were favorites for a lot of the uh, like production design and costumes and things yeah. like that. Well, uh, yeah. One of my favorite moments, by the way. <laughs> Was when Brian Tyree Henry and Melissa McCarthy came oh, out in their yeah. costumes. Forgot about that part, uh, but it was yeah. amazing and it was funny. Um, so we'll come to our final category and talk about some movies in there, and that's going to be Best Picture. Um, We've this, kind of already talked about them all. I yeah, just figured li- we'd have a little more time in little in little uh, little spurts. I mean, uh, my my wild card pick was Black Panther. I was very su- happily surprised that they came home with as many Oscars as they did. Yeah, and as they kept that. winning, uh, after you posted, or after you said that you marked that one as yours, my gut told me that could win, like immediately. Yeah, it could. I wish and, we could see a breakdown yeah. of how the votes actually went in. And then, as they continued to upset the favorite, who were favorite in the categories that Black Panther won, I thought... It was going to do it. Mm-hmm. Momentum was building, and I was excited. Uh, I, I think that I've wanted a superhero movie to be nominated for a really long time and taken more seriously than just a superhero movie. Black Panther was the one to transition it. Uh, it was more than just a superhero movie. And so it was... Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm glad that it continues to break barriers. Yeah. Even if it's just in this you know, category. I hope it's not as long before we get another uh, situation like this. I mean, the last time a movie got, uh, a comic book movie got serious Oscar uh, attention was The Dark Knight. Yeah. It famously did not get nominated for Best Picture, but it, it was <laughs> instrumental in a rules change that added more categories. It did uh, give Heath Ledger a posthumous Best Supporting Actor win though Mm -hmm. and that was more than 10 years ago before we get to black panther taking home some awards Mm -hmm. i hope we don't have to wait another 10 plus years yeah uh because you know right now with marvel studios in particular there's no sign that they're they're losing steam and quality yeah if that were to happen then it might be a while but if if they if their quality stays as high as it is i hope we don't have to wait as long to see another well, maybe, now maybe Black Panther 2 will get a nomination. Yeah. Well, and now they've cracked that 
that ceiling and and now i can just see kevin feige and that whole group just wanting to take one home just to mm-hmm. give i can see them wanting to give him the middle finger kind of like how <clears throat> netflix feels like they should deserve it because of all the things they've done i can see the marvel studios being like yeah we're superhero movies but we're more than that we're better than that let's show them yeah i mean there's no argument that that marvel studios has kept a lot of the, the movie theater industry alive mm-hmm. with the billions of dollars they've raked in over the past decade so i hope i hope they one day get that award i hope they and i hope it's deserved i hope it's not like a just a gimme award yeah um I mean, what do you guys think? What really was your it. pick to win? Like, what was like just in going my, with your heart? What would it, what was your favorite? Uh, what would I have picked? Uh, yeah. A Star Is Born of Best Picture. Yeah, mm-hmm. it would either be A Star Is Born or Roma. If I could vote, I would have ranked A Star Is Born at number one. Based on these, I think I would have voted for Black Panther. Honestly, I think Black Panther and Black Klansman for me uh, have been the two in this category that I would have voted for over all of them i got no problem with those i think those i think those may have been my two and three yeah following that i just can tell you that bohemian rhapsody would have been dead last <laughs> that's all i that's all i can guarantee uh yeah i don't know i still think i think somewhere out there is an alternate timeline where a star is born got the recognition it deserves we don't live in that timeline <laughs> I still think that the biggest knock on that is that it's it's been done four or five times. It's been successful and it's just I feel like at this point a lot of them are like we've seen it. Um it's very like industry focused and, and La La Land was like that too, but it won a lot of awards. It just didn't win the big one. Um <clears throat> And so I can see it kind of being a, they're not the same, but I can see them being in like the same lane as far as like voters and stuff. And maybe they just were like, we got to veer away from that is the only thing I can think. Because yeah, that movie's great and I love it to death. But for me, it's, it, I can, I could see how it would be that way. I just, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't think it being done before has anything to do with it. I don't really don't, but I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah, because I know that it was the hot one coming out of the end of the year, for the most part. Mm-hmm. And then it was not. And it kind of got quiet, and I don't really know why. Outside, outside of the shallow. That's outside what I can't figure out either. It's the weirdest thing to me that A Star is Born kind of fell apart um, when it has been so acclaimed for so long. Mm-hmm. And then a movie that has been uh, heavily criticized in the last several months wins. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was it Bohemian Rhapsody won the oh uh, Green Book yeah. Green Book is what I was going with yeah, yeah Green yeah. Book is yeah I mean I would love to talk to someone who could t- who who really believes that Green Book is the best of all of those the best yeah I like it the best ah come on Roma's better Panther's better Klansman's better come on <laughs> what are we talking about here. Bohemian's not. Yeah. Bohemian's not better. That's it. I don't have anything else to say about any of the other movies. Nah, we've been And this was longer long. than it should be. And I will thank uh, people who are still listening, if there's any. People probably listen to us on on like 
speed one one point five or two. <laughs> I would if I listened I to do. us. Do you? Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's it for our second annual Oscars show. Yeah. We don't have a name for it. Nope. Maybe next. Maybe for year three, we'll have a name for it. You can find us online at facebook.com slash so many sequels pod on Instagram, search so many sequels and on so many sequels.com. Please remember to vote for us for best podcast at the best of Tulsa awards voting ends February 28th. So you only have a few days left. If you're listening to this as it's new, um, you can do that at the Tulsa voice.com slash B O T. We interrupted our regularly scheduled series to bring you this episode so next week, um, March whatever, we will wrap up Indiana Jones with Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull before moving on to something brand new and exciting and scary. And that's the only hint you get. Until then, you, you, do you have something for the Oscar? Report? I really don't. Okay. I was just going to say thank you for listening. There you go. Please vote for us. Please do. I thought maybe your thing would be to just snore. Because you're so sleepy. That was pretty good. All right. Uh, See y'all later. Thanks for being cool.